This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have packed a few different shows together that we call Highlights to help you to get the most bang for your time in educating you on the topics that you want to learn from. We would love to hear from you. I am grateful that you are with us today. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Dylan Marma. Thanks for being on the show, Dylan. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have Dylan on the show. Dylan began his real estate investing career in 2015. He quickly rose to a leadership role in a residential and commercial real estate investment company in San Diego. In early 2018, Dylan joined the team at Rand Partners. That's Jake and Gino, which most of the listeners I'm sure have heard of. And that to expand into additional markets throughout the Southeast, as well as to build out the systems to open up the doors for outside investors to partner through syndication. Now at the age of 25 years old, he owns and operates over 500 units. So it's very impressive, Dylan. I love having somebody in their mid-20s or or younger on the show that's been as successful as you. And just to show that all these limiting beliefs uh, is just not true, right? That it can be done and and you're making it happen. I know you're playing a big role at Jake and Gino. I know they're thrilled to have you on board and you're all's business. As we were talking about, you know, just growing, your team's growing. It's amazing what's happening there. Just great guys and just amazing what their integrity level and their business quality is just fabulous and it's showing. And so Dylan, tell the listeners a little more about just who you are in case they haven't heard of you and what your focus is right now. And, and let's dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we can touch a little bit on, on my story, but today we'll start with you know where I am right now, playing a role within Rand Partners. I really play the role, two different roles where I think in it, any business as you're in this sort of the startup phase, which I still consider us in somewhat of a startup phase, you know, we're at as a business, well, I've been involved in the last 500 units or so, you know, we're as a business, we're at roughly about 1500 units. And we actually just hired our first employee. So it's an exciting time period for us. And I play the, the two main hats I wear. Number one is investor relations. It's working with the investors on the front end, having a lot of the front end phone calls, having a lot of being involved with some of the webinars, the marketing materials, things like that, the asset management stuff to keep the investors engaged. And then number two is acquisitions. So a lot of the front end underwriting, a lot of driving out to the markets, touring the markets, the sub markets, looking at the deals themselves. And there's four of us as a business that have been running and operating over the last year together. And I think we all have different backgrounds, different mindsets, and it's a great collaboration you know, effort that we have as a team. So I love the the environment that we work in. And like I said, had Mike Taravella's our, our newest hire start yesterday's first day was today, and he's coming on board to help us as a you know, an associate, of course, because it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. Because like I said, we all have to wear a lot of hats starting off. So that's where we are today in business. And overall, again, it's been a great journey so far. Awesome. And so I've learned a little bit about Rand. And obviously, I've seen your all's growth and keeping up with you all a little bit. And uh, I get your newsletters as well, by the way. It's good stuff. I love seeing good people doing great things and just the growth you all have had. So let's dive into a little bit about what Rand is doing right now with the quote market in quote the way it is and you know we hear that all the time and just what you all are looking for in deals maybe how that's changed or how you're looking for it to change going forward it's really a, an exciting time in the market right now right everything with interest rates getting cut further and further we're seeing a lot of shifts in you know, asset prices and the way that buyers and sellers are operating and everyone i think is realizing that it's only the end of these this bull run is only so far ahead of us right so i think a lot of us are looking at Number one, how to preserve capital, how to protect our downside. And then number two, how to still create an attractive enough opportunity for the investor base and for ourselves, right? So for us, really our bread and butter has been from day one, workforce housing. 
So a lot of what we look at when we say workforce housing is usually that sweet spot of the 40 to say 60,000 median income range for the most part. We're typically catering towards residents that work in say retail, maybe they work in restaurants or retail employers, or they work in blue collar, they might work in industrial, really just your working force housing that is going to provide just a, a safe and clean and affordable. I say affordable, not in the sense that investors are used to it, but in the sense of just a, a reasonably priced place to live that's managed well, that provides good quality service. We do all of our management in-house. Jake leads up the RAND property management. So every single asset is self-managed. So we really emphasize that at a, at a high level is just providing good customer service and making sure that we're on top of it and, and really being hands-on with operating each property really effectively. And then typically on the purchase side, we're looking at assets currently. You never want to put yourself in a box completely, but I'd say 9 out of 10 assets that we look at are in the built before 2000s. They are, as so you're going in at a heavy discount replacement cost, you're also going in to an asset that typically is going to be cash flowing from day one. It's usually stabilized from an occupancy standpoint. So we're able to go in with agency debt. We prefer long-term fixed rate financing because I think that does protect you know, your downside from one of the risks, which is your interest risk, especially right now, it can be really attractive financing rates. So we're definitely trying to take advantage of that. And of course, we're always looking for you know operational inefficiencies. We're looking for rents that are below market, like everyone else typically in the value-add space. But we're also looking for other income streams. And we've done a good job at being able to produce on many properties, much as 15% or more in some cases of additional income, just through maximizing different fee structures, things like that. Our guest is James Wise. Thanks for being on the show, James. Hey, Whitney. Thanks for having me on, brother. Y'all are expert in management and taking care of tenants that are, we'll say, slightly unique, right? Uh, or extra, extra unique. unique Whitney. I mean, <laughs> some of these people are damn savages. <laughs> Let's just call it like we see yeah, it, man. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough industry. So I'd love to hear, you know, some of those stories, some of the, you know, worst evictions and, and things like that. And I think, you know, you had a very popular show recently about that. And tell us some of those stories and, and how you all handled them. Yeah, man. Look, guys. Here's the deal. A lot of people like to dance around the issue of how difficult it is to be a property manager, to actually invest in real estate because various folks, you know, brokers, right? I'm a broker as well. Brokers want to sell properties. Brokers want to broker deals. Syndicators, you know, they want to sell their sponsorships. So don't get me wrong. I do too, right? You know, I've sold $150 million worth of rental real estate in the last few years here. And I run a large portfolio top to bottom, like I already mentioned in the show. It's one of the reasons I come on shows like this. I, I want to sell more real estate. I want to do that stuff. But I don't like to dance around the topics. And, uh, you know, like we don't have to call some of these people unique, man. Some of these people are freaking savages. And uh, that's where the idea for my show, one of my shows on Holton Wise TV, this is probably the most popular show. It's called the Tenants from Hell Show. What that is, man, we give you guys real life situations that have happened to us or have happened to other investors. So if anyone out there is listening to us right now and you're interested in being on that show, just shoot me an email. You know, you Google us and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Let us know your story. We might have you on the show, but like some of the worst of the worst, Whitney, like you touched on the evictions. Like we, you know, when we evict people, you know, I evict probably 100 people a year, right? I run a large portfolio. That's part of the business, guys. If you're investing in real estate, it doesn't matter if you're investing with Grant Cardone, Naroda, Holton Wise, you're buying stuff off of Roofstock, whatever. Nobody in the world has figured out how to run rental real estate without doing evictions. That's part of the game, y'all. 
So what I like to do, we like to film our evictions. We do about 100 evictions a year. We film them, and the best ones we go out, we put that on the show. We do that live. Like uh, one episode, we had a hoarder, right? You know, a lot of people, they don't understand what exactly it's like to go through an eviction or what is actually going to happen. Like a small little apartment, Whitney, it was like, I don't know, 600 square feet. And it was this thing rented for like probably 600 bucks a month. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we had to get an entire crew in there. I probably had on site in that video. You see all the guys in the video working, emptying out this apartment. I probably had three bailiffs and like a total of nine guys there all day emptying out this little 600 square foot apartment. You think you've seen some rough stuff, guys. This ended up being a total build to get that apartment completely emptied out, renovated, and ready to rent again for 600 bucks a month. The total cost ended up being like fifteen or $16,000. Wow. And that's the part of the business that nobody really ever wants to talk about. But, you know, these things happen when we're doing our analytics on our rental properties. We need to put this type of stuff in our performance because this is stuff that's going to happen. And that's what the Tennis from Hell show is all about, man. That's what we like to do. We want to show people that so nobody goes into investing with uh, a blindfold or blinders on. How are you all keeping from renting to more people like that? I mean, I know it's going to happen. That many units, it's going to happen. Like you said, a hundred, you know, hundred evictions a year. It's it's going to it's part of the business, right? But sure. but how do you start to minimize that? There's a few ways, right? Like the standard boilerplate answer to that question that you'll see most people give is, oh, you got to do proper tenant screening, which is absolutely true. And we could talk about tenant screening, but I don't want to talk about that first. What I first want to talk about is the very first thing that screens your tenants, okay? And that is the neighborhood. That is the class of asset, right? Let's not pretend that every little neighborhood in the United States of America is Mayberry, right? That's just not how it works, okay? You know, you have what I like to call A-class neighborhoods, which is your primarily your owner-occupied neighborhoods where your wealthy folks in that metro, major metro live right? Not a lot of rental property investors are gravitated towards that because, you know, the cash flow numbers typically don't pencil out, right? It's just, you know, where the owner occupants live, right? But then you get into like B-class neighborhoods, which is your suburbs where you start to see a little bit of rentals peppered in there. So it's kind of like 70, 80% owner occupied, but then like 20% rental properties. And then you get into your C-class stuff, which is like a nice mix. It's probably half and half rentals versus owner occupied. And then you get lower into DNF class where you start to see all rentals and, you know, you start to get into rougher, tougher areas, you know, ghettos, hoods, things of that nature, right? So depending on the type of investment you buy, that's going to be the biggest determining factor in the amount of bad tenants you're going to run into, right? Like no matter how nice your property is, if it's smack dab in the middle of the hood, you're not going to get high quality folks to live there. High quality folks just, you know, they're going to choose to go to areas with nicer schools. You know, the rest of the neighborhood keeps it up nicer. The property values are higher, things of that nature. So when we're running our performance and things of that nature, we need to factor this type of stuff in. And you really got to match the property you're going to buy with your risk tolerance. Because, you know, the flip side of that coin is in a B-class neighborhood, like, like what we do, we do a lot of like uh, small multifamilies. That's what we do here in Cleveland. And people are blown away by the pricing, right? Like, in a C-class neighborhood, a very typical sale of ours would be we will sell an investor a duplex that's going to rent for probably $750 a unit, right? So it's going to be $1,500 a month in a C-class neighborhood. And that is only going to cost that investor probably $85,000. Now, a lot of people are probably like, oh, whoa, they're probably grabbing calculators out right now, running their numbers. Like, oh, those are really good numbers, right? Now, same thing. You can get 750 bucks a month in rent 
out of a duplex in Cleveland in like a D-class neighborhood for even less. You can get that for like $40,000, but now you're in the ghetto, right? And it's going to come with varying levels of difficulty, right? So like with a C-class property, maybe your average tenancy is two, two and a half years. Whereas you go to the D-class, maybe it's less than a year. So you got to factor in those costs. Or if you want super stable tenants, college degreed, dual income, maybe you'll you know, try to get that $1,500 of rent in the B-class, but instead of paying 40000 like in the D or eighty five in the C, you're willing to pay like 150000 now uh, just to maintain that lower risk tolerance. So that, that right there, that's going to be the first thing. That's how you screen your tenants, right? No property manager in the world, no matter how good they are. Like, you know, I, I would like to say, Whitney, I'm pretty damn good at being a property manager. This ain't my first rodeo, brother. But no matter how good I am or how good Holton Wise is, we're not going to be able to put B tenants that are attracted to B-class neighborhoods, we ain't going to be able to put them in your D-class properties, guys. It's just not possible. Those people, you know, have earned the right to live in nicer neighborhoods. Why would they go back? There ain't nothing I can do. You know what I'm saying? I really appreciate you talking about the neighborhood and how that's part of the screening process. Long before you ever talked to the tenant, I mean, you've limited the class of tenant that you can get in there. And most people are going to jump right to the screening process. But but yeah, you're exactly right. You're not going to bring the, the person who's used to living in the B-class property or better to the C or D or, or we'll say C minus or, or D or worse area. Absolutely. And then once you've established that, right, you figure out what your risk tolerance is. And like, that's another thing the Tenants from Health show like helps investors like, you could be a first-time investor listening to this show, and you're like, oh, I could deal I could deal with the rough stuff. Let me handle the tough stuff, man. I want that cash flow. James said I can get $1,500 in rent for forty grand. All right, brother, pump them brakes. That's cool, man. I have a lot of properties in the ghetto. The ghetto has made me a wealthy guy. But if you're brand new, I don't want you going into this with blinders, though. So that's why that show is there. So you might be thinking, oh, dude, how bad could it really be? Is it tough? You know, a guy like me, I, I deal with this every day. We evict 100 people a year. I could deal with it. I could understand it. But, dude you got to have the right stomach for it, right? So like, that's what the show is for. It really gives investors a real look at this. Like I told you about the eviction, right? $16,000 turnover costs, but that, that just doesn't really paint all the stuff that really happens. So before we even get into screening, I just, if I may, I just want to just talk about a couple other wild stories just briefly. I don't, I don't yeah. bore you guys. If you guys want to see the whole stories, obviously watch the show, but just stuff we got to deal with at one point. The house that I personally live in, like it's not titled in my own name. At one point, I had a tenant who looked up where I had actually lived with my wife. We didn't have any kids at that time, thank God, but he had looked up where I lived and threatened my maintenance team members every time they were over at his apartment building that he would threaten them, tell them where, you know, he would read off my address to them, telling them that he would be coming to my house one day and setting it on fire. So, you know, I had to take the precaution of, you know, moving from that home and actually titling the home I currently live in in a completely different name to remain semi-anonymous. If you have a lot of properties and just rough neighborhoods, well, who do you think lives in rough neighborhoods, guys? Rough people, dangerous people, right? So, you know, there is that. That's a messed up story. A lot of people wouldn't think stuff like that happens. We had one woman, it was around Thanksgiving one year, Whitney, and it was storming like crazy the day she kept calling the office. We had voicemail after voicemail. This, this poor woman is uh, she lived on the second floor of an apartment building of ours, and she's just calling in the middle of this rainstorm, upset because water's coming into her dining room because a couch got thrown through her dining room window. Now, I don't know if you caught that, brother, but she lives on the second floor, okay? So this, this poor woman lives on the second floor of this apartment building. Turns out the freaking yahoos that live a floor above her 
found out that they had bed bugs, which is another thing that is super common when you get into the low income stuff. And if you guys want to see some wild bed bug stories, you bet your asses I got those on the show with actual footage, some freaking dime sized bed bugs, y'all. But anyway, so this poor woman, she's got water coming into her dining room from the window that's got a couch through it on the second floor because these folks above her, they found they had bed bugs on their couch. And of course, to them, right, in their drunken stupor, they, they said, oh, we got bed bugs. Of course, naturally, the solution is to right now in the middle of the night, in the middle of this rainstorm, open our third floor window and just chuck the couch out the window, right? You know, that, that made sense to them. Just other stuff, like I own a, a really large building, right? Huge building. It's like 40,000 square feet, okay? And um, it's nicknamed the Sex Motel, okay? And the reason it's nicknamed the Sex Motel is because it's in a C-class neighborhood, but it's probably by far an F-class asset. And uh, this thing sat for probably 25 years in a C-class neighborhood of Cleveland. It was probably the sore spot of the neighborhood. Like the rest of the neighborhood's pretty decent, right? But I would say this was the building that was bringing the neighborhood down, okay? And the owner of said property, he just ran it as a motel, okay? And it's not not nice, right? It's not like Days Inn or Ritz-Carlton or even, it's not even really like a Motel 6, right? Lower quality. Essentially, the guy was renting rooms by the hour for about 20 years. So prostitutes, drug addicts, that's the only type of people, just transient, rough, tough, nasty, gross people, those are the only type of people that would patronize this, uh, this, this motel. And a huge motel, though, dude, like 38,000 square feet. So I'm a broker. Guy hires me to sell the building. I can't sell this building, man. I tried for a year and a half, and I'm a damn good broker, man. I'm the number one seller of rental property in the Cleveland market. I'm good at what I do. I couldn't sell this thing. We would get people in there, and they would try to buy it, and then they would just back out last minute. The building was old. It was rough. It was tough. Couldn't really finance it because this guy's doing cash business, renting rooms by the hour. You go there, and there's actual prostitutes like wandering around. Looks like zombies from The Walking Dead, man. Drug addicts. It's, it's rough, dude. It's, it's nasty. It's called the sex motel, right? So I couldn't sell this thing, man. So I'm like, screw this. I got to do something here. I'm like vested in this project. It's in this neighborhood. I owned a, a large apartment building across the street, actually. So I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I decided we dropped the listing. I buy the property from the guy. I remove the entire motel business from this thing. Like no motel. Get rid of that. In the process of uh, redeveloping this thing, turning it into apartments, right? We had in the motel, there was like, I think 38 motel rooms, but there was also 10 apartments where he had people living, okay? So we didn't kick all of them out. We wanted to keep some folks still in there. We got rid of the motel business, got rid of the prostitutes, all that type of jazz. You know, and you need to keep some type of, you know, bodies in there, right? Because you can't just leave these buildings empty, guys. You know, people will break in and you'll have to evict them and they'll strip the building down. You can't just leave it totally empty, right? So you need bodies. Even if they're not the best bodies, Sometimes bodies will help protect your asset. Like it's a different ball game, man. It's a different ball game when you're in these rough neighborhoods. But anywho, to try to put a bow on this. Long story short, a couple of the bodies that were in the building got into an argument with each other. I believe there was a monetary dispute. I believe it was for a sum somewhere in the ballpark of twenty dollars. And one guy was slighted by the other guy. So the other guy decided as a means to get even with him for the $20 being stolen from him, he was going to set his car on fire. The only thing he knew about the other guy's car, though, was that it was a gold car. Problem was, there was actually two gold cars in the parking lot. Apparently, two of our tenants had gold cars. So what do you think happened to both those cars? Whitney's, boom, both cars up in smoke. That's the type of stuff that happens. So it's not as simple and clean as people pay rent, they don't pay rent, you evict them, you pay a little bit of money, and you move on, right? These are real people. They have real lives, real stories. And, you know, not all of them are going to run the straight and narrow. So that is why 
I like to do the tennis from hell show. That's why I like to present this. That's why I come out. I'm rough. I'm uncensored, right? You know, I'm not PG, right? It's a rated R business. I'm a rated R dude. I want to present to you guys exactly what's happening. If you guys can watch that stuff and after that, you're like, hell yeah, man, I'm still all systems that go. Then let's get you into those D-class assets because you're going to roll with us when those things are going to happen. But if after those stories, you're like, whoa, whoa. I want nothing to do with that. That sounds terrible. That There's easier ways to make money. Now it makes sense why folks are paying $150,000 for a relatively similar amount of rent to avoid dealing with individuals like that. Because you ain't setting cars on fire in a B-class neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 